Welcome to Sunstorm, where we get real about what's happening in the world and what we are doing about it, because we are the light in the storm. Hey, this is Alicia. Today we have something a little different for you. A while ago, Ijen and I hosted a live Sunstorm recording at the Sundance Film Festival in beautiful Park City, Utah. The amazing Amina Tussauds joined us on stage. You might have heard her voice before. She's the co-host of Call Your Girlfriend, an amazing podcast with Ann Friedman. She's the co-founder of Tech Lady Mafia, and she's an incredibly smart and insightful person who has so many inspiring things to say. We had the best time ever talking to her, and we hope you enjoy every minute of it. Here's Aminatu. Are you ready for our special, special guest? You better. This is so embarrassing. (laughs) No, we love you so much, and we're just going to shine all over you. Shine, shine, shine. I I feel very loved and supported, so (laughs) thank you. you should, because we love you. I told you we're going to be your weighted blanket. So let's jump in, shall we? Let's do it. I'm going to start with talking about one of my pet peeves, mm-hmm. which is um, about how we talk about self-care. I love a massage. I love a good hot tub. I love all those things. But you know what I like even more than all those things? Winning. Yeah. And one of the things I think that drives me kind of nuts about how we talk about self-care is that sometimes we say self-care is a thing we have to do. We have to like go away. Mm-hmm. to take care of ourselves and mm-hmm. then come back and we're going to be fully whole. And I just don't believe that's how it goes. I think that we are constantly under a whole lot of pressure around a whole lot of things and that um, one of the best ways to take care of ourselves is, yes, get your neck rubbed and do all the things, get your chiropractic adjustments, <laughs> but also can we like change the world for our people because I think we'd all feel a lot better. I agree with you about that. I think my number one pet peeve is actually people who don't read books <laughs> because <laughs> that is my pet peeve. Yes. And the self-care thing like 100% fits into that because everyone talks about self-care but no one can tell you where self-care comes from. Hello. You know, and I'm like, hi, it's actually a very important political feminist That's idea. Right. That's right. Uh, that you should you should probably like read about Audre Lorde and, and, and know what that warfare. means. And I think <laughs> that it's just one of the ways that, you know, illiteracy really, it's like people who don't read and also capitalism like really disrupts ideas that are revolutionary. Mm-hmm. And so when I, yeah, you're right. It's like, you're not supposed to isolate yourself and then you come back into mm-hmm. society. One, that like, who is that working for? Right. No one can do that really. Right. And also it doesn't have to cost money, um, which is another thing. And I think that it also cannot be divorced from what you think the goal of your life is. Mm. And I think that for a lot of us, the goal of our life is freedom. Yes. You know, it's freedom for ourselves and yes. it's freedom for other people. And I just, I really, when I think about taking care of myself and sometimes it's small ways and sometimes it's big ways, it really is because I'm like, this is the only resource I have mm-hmm. <laughs> is this body. It's this mind. It's mm-hmm. this, this is what I have. And if I'm not a good steward of this resource, then I will not be my best for my community. I'm so here for this. And so, you know, like, let's sure, like, let's get our nails done if that's what it takes for you to feel good about yourself. Yes. But also, like, how the fuck are you going to show up for all of the things that you need to show up for? Because everything is hard right now. It's true. It's hard, but we have the capacity for it. So let's, you know, like, do what you need to do, but show up. It's true. Well, I've been known 
to get my nails done on a conference call. And, <laughs> um, you know, the reason I'm doing that is because I want to win. So speaking of winning, I know that you have been in this work for a long time. You've been shaping our culture, our society, our movements for a hot minute. From your perspective, what has been your biggest win and how has winning helped you take care of yourself? A lot of the wins that I'm really focused on right now are wins within my own community and thinking about the person that I was 10 years ago and where I want it to be and the fact that I'm doing all of those things now. Mm. And I'm doing them with the help of my friends and the help of people who invested in me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because there was such a pervasive sense, I think, in your 20s, maybe it was just me, but... um that there's like kind of no one to help you. It's like, who's going to mentor me? Who's going to give me things? Who's going to hold my hand? Who is like, how am I going to get to these things that I want? And I think that really early on, I was lucky to be in a community of people who figured out that no one will come save you, but Hello. we could probably save ourselves together, I heard that. you know? And instead of looking up or looking down, we started looking around and, you know, it was like, who are my peers and who do I want to build this life with? Mm. And so I think a lot about the work that I do with Anne Friedman mm -hmm. as a big win because she's been like such an amazing collaborator, also is an amazing friend to me. Mm -hmm. And I remember all the conversations that we had a decade ago and now we're doing all those things. I'm like, I am, I am shook to yes. like find out shook what it. we're going to be doing in like, <laughs> you know, in another decade together. You know, and I think that everybody probably has someone like that. Mm -hmm. That is someone that you are really like, okay, like we're going to get to somewhere together. Mm -hmm. So, you know, look at you two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I'm I was just you. thinking about that. But say a little more about that because, you know, when we think about what it takes to win, I mean, you talk about it like years. It's been years, right, yeah. with Anne and, and a lot of hard times. And it sounds glamorous when you're at the finish line and you're winning and you feel like you're winning and it's like it took a lot to get there. There is such a way of not understanding that this entire conversation actually happens internally. It's not about glam. It's not about what you think traditional markers of success can be for other people. But for me, it really is about like, what are the goals that I set out for myself and where am I at? And my goal is never like, I want to be at a panel in a conference <laughs> one day. Like, you better no. tell the whole truth. You know what I mean? Yes. But I think that that is, um, that is a truth that is like worth talking about. And I don't say that because I'm ungrateful about the opportunities I get. I say it because I think that this is one way that people get really disappointed mm -hmm. in that feeling of like, oh, I always wanted this. Why doesn't it feel good? And it's like, well, because actually that was not the thing that you should have wanted, mm -hmm. right? It was something else. And to your point about work taking a really long time, that has been actually like very heartening for me. And it's the thing that is carrying me through this political moment that we have is that everything that is worth doing takes so much time. And to my point about reading, this is why reading is so important. Mm -hmm. Fundamental, Fundamentally, fact. I've been reading so much about women's suffrage, both the white women's suffrage and our suffrage. Oh. <laughs> and <laughs> like, that should took like a hundred years. <laughs> you know? Like none of the like white ladies were, I think there was like one woman who was alive from like Seneca Falls who got to see, uh -huh. um, who got to see like women get the white women get the right to vote. And when I think about that, it's just, it's very sobering because it's like, okay, I want to win, but I also know that this win will might not happen in my lifetime. Right, yeah, and that patience. doesn't and it doesn't mean that I don't have to fight for it. And part of being a really good ancestor is also just that, is saying like, oh, I am going to like fight like hell for the life that I want, but really if it doesn't happen for me, I want it to happen for someone who comes after me mm, because they beautiful. deserve that too. 
And the only reason that I am alive and I get to live this life is because other women put their lives on the line for Mm -hmm. me. It shouldn't be lost on us. And it's not to say that, you know, like whatever this moment is that we're living in is like it's easier or it's whatever. But the world has always been ending, Mm. you know? The world's always been ending. Things are always hard. I grew up in West Africa under three dictatorships. So actually, Trump is very, like, business as usual for Mm. me. I'm like, oh, yeah. Mm. I'm like, this feels like Nigeria, 1992. Mm. Love Mm. it. Um, (laughs) You can do it. But I think that there is something about, like, pulling yourself a little bit outside of how you feel right now and contextualizing it, both in a global perspective and in a historical perspective, and understanding that actually it's not um, it's not abnormal. Mm. It's when we are having these like very big wins about abortion or civil rights, like those tiny moments, that is abnormal mm. because that is not what the world wants for us, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that it's so, it's why it's so important to celebrate the wins, but also remember that peace and prosperity is hanging by a thread. That's how do you celebrate the wins? Because I think that's so important, whether big or small just noting that we are making progress. We can move forward, right? How do you celebrate the wins? I think that we have to shout about them. We have to shout about them. We have to remind each other about them when times are hard. And I think that, yeah, it's like showing your joy really is a political act because like some of the days are dark, you know? And I think also even like the fact that like people that you don't respect can like say black lives matter Hello. is insane to me Woo. that that is like, but you know what i mean like yes, in this very, it's like sometimes i'll be watching mean. the sports channels and then someone will say like black lives matter i'm like, like what like, <laughs> what this is happening on espn but you know it's just it's because it seems when it seeps in through mainstream culture it seems like it was so easy right and actually it wasn't it was never easy and and people who, you know, like, I know that you know this, but I think that it's, it's, it, it is so worth reminding yourself that that, but that's also why you do the work. You do the that's work right. so that it will seamlessly just come out of someone's mouth who's, mm-hmm. like, never picked up a book before. Okay. Oh, my <laughs> yeah. Like, this idiot knows. Now we're set. Okay. Now, now on to the next thing. <laughs> and speaking of being on to the next thing, um, I wear this excellent iridescent button on one of my favorite bomber jackets that says shine theory can you talk a little bit about what that is so that everybody else knows why i'm wearing this button because people ask me about it all the time (laughs) and i'm like you don't listen to call your girlfriend do you um you're probably like shilling some brand um (laughs) (laughs) shine theory is the organizing principle with my friendship with ann friedman and really my friendship with so many people when we were babies in dc trying to figure out what we were gonna do with our lives. We would tell each other all the time, like, I don't shine if you don't shine. And it was just like a reminder in that moment of, I want you, like, my wins are your wins. I want you to do good. Like, your your losses are my losses. I'm, like, I am here for you. Mm. And it really is also just like born out of places pushing back that, in pop culture at least, like, you, you hear a lot that like women are competitive. It's like when women are competitive, it's called like you were bitchy. But when men are competitive, they're you know they're, they're they're like very driven. They're, they're like, leaders, whatever, which I find very fascinating. But you know we can we could talk about patriarchy for days. Listen, that's a whole episode. But <laughs> the thing about this is that you know it's a message that you get very young, and I always like from a young age knew that it was bullshit. And when I started looking around in my life, I was like, actually, 
the people who support me all the time are the women in my life. And it doesn't mean that they're not women. You know, sometimes we want the exact same thing. Like, literally, I work at the same job as them. There is one promotion and one of us will get it. And I saw that scenario happen so many times where the other person would be so supportive. Like, I didn't get the job. Another woman got the job and she was like, years later would put me up for that same promotion. I was like, there is a way. Not everything in life has to be zero sum. But there is a way to like really pick your people and say, we are going to come up together. You have to build a cohort because you just can't be alone. Can we round of applause for this beautiful, I feel like this is, should be the organizing logic of our future. Um, <laughs> but the first time I heard Shine Theory was when um, we arrived in Washington, D.C. on an orange and pink bus with Supermajority. <laughs> yes. Supermajority is a new women's organization that Alicia and I um, started together uh, last year. And we are in the process of building the largest woman-to-woman -woman voter mobilization program in the history yes. of this country in time for the election. And, um, but we were on a 19-city organizing tour around the country, and we arrived in D.C. to meet with the freshman women members of Congress who had just been elected, and they basically introduced themselves as the Shine Theory generation of Congress. That was the first time I heard about Shine Theory. It was their way of talking about how they believe in a different kind of political culture and they're making it real, they're leading differently. And it was so powerful and thank you because this is the sister right here who gave us the words, the language to do that. Yeah, and don't be trying to credit it to somebody else now, y'all know. <laughs> Give the sister her shine now. Oh my God, thank you. You know what I'm saying. So. That's what it means also, right? Shine theory is also like give people their propers. Yeah, it's like give people their credit. It doesn't take anything away from you to acknowledge someone else. It just, it Hello. doesn't. It doesn't take anything from you to, to help people with your resources. It also doesn't mean that you have to do it for everyone. Mm -hmm. It means that you need to find a group of people that you are accountable to. That's right. Because... You know, the way that this idea gets distorted a lot is that anyone who stops you in a hotel lobby, you have to drop everything for. It's like, actually, if I don't have a way of staying accountable to you and to the work that you do, I actually don't owe you anything. Mm. And part of having stakes is that, is that you are mutually accountable to each mm. other and you are, doing, you are doing work to shift the perspective of so many things that you, you are a part of. That's just like so deeply important. I want to get it tattooed across my forehead and everybody else's. Um, so let's dive into shine theory as it relates to relationships between women. Mm -hmm. And you did, you talked about this a little bit where you said, you know, that when women are competitive, right, that we're mm -hmm. called bitchy, um, or if women both want to go for the same thing, right, then wow. suddenly we're trying to like take each other out. Um, but that men kind of get propers for doing that. There's a whole theory around that. It's called patriarchy. Let's move on. <laughs> Never heard of it. But the reality is um, what you're describing, which I'm so grateful for, is really how women have been able to be the light in the storm mm -hmm. by really saying to each other, like, it's all of us or none of us, right? Yeah. Like, we can't get ahead if somebody else is getting left behind. So... Can we talk about why in this political moment it might be a little bit important for us to invest in shine theory? You know, I think one of the reasons that I talk about this a lot is because so many, like, I, I cannot relate, but I have, I have heard the message that like a lot of 
people, some of them women, are very embarrassed or ashamed to say that they're ambitious because that word has such a negative connotation. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm a very ambitious person. Like that is, I'm not ashamed of saying it. I think that if you do anything like the work that we do, you are also an ambitious person. Like, yeah, sure, you're working for freedom, ambition. There you go. And this is a little bit of tough love, but like when things are hard like this, it's not a time for shy people, you know? It's like, are you going to step up to the plate? And I'm not trying to get into a fight about like introvert, extrovert, because that's not what that means. Um, I'm actually a very introverted person. It, It truly is like, are you going to step up? Like the world is on fire and what are you going to do? And I think that the solidarity behind Shine Theory is one, reminding you that you don't have to do anything alone, but it also I think is a corrective to this idea that just because we're all women, we have to get along. If you know anything about movements, nobody fucking gets along. Hello. And, and actually, but that's by design. Mm-hmm. It is normal that we don't get along. If yep. we all got along, all of our ideas would be bad and yep. we would never get anything done. Thank you. Because then you are just in the group think. You are supposed to be in a very messy kind of enterprise of people when you do the work that we do. And there are very many ways not to get along with someone and everything does not have to be disagreement. So I really, I really reject this feeling of like everything has to be all roses and hunky-dory or whatever. I was like, no, like the world's on fire. I don't have time to be nice to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and also some things are not personal, but I really think that if you start thinking of the people in your life really as a cohort or as people that you are building power with together, because none of this is new. It's like if you, like, fancy private schools are about this. It's just like, here's one powerful person, put all your children together, and we're just going to hoard power. And <laughs> the idea of shine theory is the same, except that we don't hoard the power. Mm. We're like, we are going to bring all of it in, and we're going to redistribute the power. You know what? I'm so here for this. So it's not, you know, like, we're not reinventing the wheel here. I'm like, rich people have great ideas. Take them and run with them. Um, but I, you know, I think that... I need something that gets me out of bed every day and I need something that will give me even the tiniest amount of hope. And just knowing that when I get out of bed, I can trust that the people that I am organizing with and the people that I am in conversation with, they are also just doing their tiny part and that there is an explicit like buy-in from all of us that we are not trying to take each other down. And in mm. fact, we're all trying to elevate each other's mm. voices that gets me out of bed every single day. Hey, beautiful. give it up for that. You inspire us so much. One of the reasons why we really wanted to have you on was just how much the frameworks and the mental models that you've developed with Anne um, around how women should lead and do lead, right, differently. Right? We're not trying to achieve equality in a culture and system. We don't want to be equal in the context completely designed by men. We want to redo how we do things, right? And what a beautiful framework to help us do that. And we're also just super inspired by your friendship with Anne mm. and, um, and the fact that you're just really going in on this question of friendship. Because it's such a huge, I mean, for women, I think it's a huge reason how I get out of the bed every day is this friendship and so many others. Ditto, ditto. And when I think about what I need to shine through the storms, absolutely friendship comes up. But it's not all always hunky-dory. And it's as deep and complicated as humans are. And I know you all have thought a lot about it. Um, can you share a little bit with us about 
anything you feel like our listeners should start to think about if we're talking about shining through the storms, increasing amounts of chaos, what's the role of friendship and how do we think about friendship in new ways that help us do that? I mean, friendship is a site of politics, you know, for everyone. It just, whether your friend looks exactly like you or they are different from you or whatever, you that work is political work. Yeah. It is to love someone that is not your blood relation and is someone that you are not trying to build this like traditional idea of like a heterosexual family with. I was like, that is politics. Mm. And I think that for me, when I feel the best in all of my friendships is when I both feel like I am giving a lot and I am being challenged a lot at the same time because every idea of how I am supposed to to love someone is challenged in that moment. You know, it's like all of my selfishness is laid bare, all of my, just my my fears and my my hopes and you you really kind of do it on a prayer. Our institutions do not support friendship. Like you can you can meet somebody tomorrow and go to Las Vegas and marry them and the government will give you a tax break. <laughs> you can be friends with someone for 25 years and if you're at the hospital, they might not be able to come visit you. Mm-hmm. And there is, I think that we have been thinking about this a lot because we, we do a show that is explicitly about friendship. We are public known, you know, friend pair, but also... And you wrote a book? We wrote a book that is out in July. Um, can't wait to tell it to you about it. Mm-hmm. Um, What's it called? It's called Big Friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, yeah, you know, so I think that we... And, I, and I'm sure that you two have the same thing. It's like you are this friend group that people know publicly, but there is also the private story of your friendship. That is something that it's not up for consumption. It's something that you protect very fiercely. Yes, we do. And, you know, and also has, it has its own complications because mm-hmm. we're all human beings. And I think that a lot of the work that Anne and I do is really about telling people that our friendship is actually not special at all. The reason that people relate to it so much is because they have this friendship somewhere else. Mm. And we really just want to start a conversation about what it means to be accountable to someone in this way, you know, and to, because again, it's really not supported by our institutions. It's not really supported by society. And it is an investment in someone else and how do you how do you think through that and how do you do that and we think that by having a public conversation about it we can really bring to light a lot of issues that people are muddling through why haven't we had a more of a public conversation about it because people expect that friendship is easy and i think for women especially there are all these messages about for work it's very much like oh you got to put your time in and for a partner it's you got to put yourself out there but women are supposed to be very good at friendship. You just know how to make friends, which is not even true for a lot of people. A lot of people struggle in making friends when they're younger. A lot of people struggle when they're adults. And there is just this idea that this is, it's easy all the time. And so when things get hard, you also take it very, it takes this outsized proportion because you were always messaged that it was supposed to be easy. But guess what? If you say that someone is your friend and we use the term chosen family a lot, if someone is your family, the key word there is family. Family is complicated as fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yes. is, Tell the whole you know, truth. You're like, great, like, great. This is what we're doing. You're trying to model how to, to do this thing. But a lot of it is honestly patriarchy. It is, it is destabilizing to patriarchy when people choose to have strong platonic bonds because capitalism cannot play a role there. Uh, the state doesn't really have a place to regulate. And we don't talk about it out loud enough to know. And the, the thing that we've been really blessed by is that by writing this book, we are learning so much about other people's friendships. And we're like, great. 
everyone is negotiating their boundaries differently. Mm-hmm. What if we what if we all talked about it? Because all of the struggles that we have are the same struggles that other people have. Mm. And so it would be nice to would be nice to know. On this note, y'all get this book. <laughs> Big friendship. Big friendship. Okay. Can we give it up for Aminatu? <laughs> so um, we could be doing this all the rest of the day. Thank you so much for coming out Thank to Sunstorm and Sundance. I'm Alicia Garza. And I'm Ai-Jen And we really, really loved having you all here tonight. If you want to hear more of this kind of conversation, go ahead and download Sunstorm anywhere you can get podcasts. It's free 99. Free 99 on Apple, Spotify, Google, all the things. And you can also, of course, follow us at Sunstorm Pod or at iGenP and Chasing Garza. It's been real. Hey, Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Sunstorm is a project of the National Domestic Workers Alliance in collaboration with Participant. Sunstorm is executive produced by Alicia Garza, iGen Poo, Christina Mevs Apgar, and Jess Morales Rocchetto. Sunstorm is produced by Amy S. Choi and Rebecca Lehrer of the Mashup Americans. Producers are Jocelyn Gonzalez, Shelby Sandlin, Mary Phillips Sandy, and Mia Warren. Original music composed by Jen Kwok and Jody Shelton. Do you have any associations with rats, given that we're in the year of the rat now? Happy Lunar New Year. I'm also a New Yorker, so I am surrounded by rats. (laughs) I'm like, I don't need this. (laughs) Okay.